20-somethings who are either married or in committed relationships who say their unions are more secure and more honest because they don't believe in monogamy. I just took off my clothes and I had to do it. Talking about swinging, or as it's known now, living in the lifestyle. We're going to have to give you some monogamy. Technically, an orgy requires a minimum of six participants. This is a new generation of swingers. Babes are coming at you on Friday, Saturday, by Sunday, your nuts gonna be drained. Oh. 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 Hi everyone, welcome to Swinging Around, the sex positive podcast about swinging and sex. I'm Cal. I'm JB. So what do we got today? So... First, I want to start off talking about, uh, we got an email from a listener with kind of an interesting question that got me thinking that I wanted to talk about. So the the question basically stemmed around the idea of when do you decide that you should stop going to swinging events? Yeah. Are you too old? Do you get, does it get to be a point where you are where you're just too, old. too old to go? Yeah. And. I kind of, like, I started to think about this in more broader terms of, is there ever a time, like, is, is, should there ever be a situation, or is there ever a situation when you just shouldn't go to a party, um, primarily because of something physical, for example? So, I mean, there, obviously, there's there's times where you, you should probably decide it's time to re- retire if you're, or take a break, you know, if you're having relationship problems, uh-huh. but is there anything physical or mental or emotional you know what 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 are reasons for that you might decide to say okay even though i i'm still enjoying myself it's time to be done well i don't know if there are i mean in this particular case with the email it was an individual who was asking us you know is it is is it is there a point where you're get to be too old yeah you know, you that, get that's kind your, of why i was referring to it as retiring <laughs> you get to your mid you know mid 50s upper 50s that's that's the time frame this listener was in. And... No, I think they were in their sixties. Oh, okay. Well, either way, either way, I mean, my answer is unequivocal. It doesn't matter how old you are, if you're still having a good time, then never. And if it's where you want to be in the crowd you want to be in, never let yourself. I feel the work. same way. Yeah, I completely agree. It's a get over yourself kind of thing. Don't worry about what other people think because I I think honestly, if you're comfortable with yourself being there and then other people are going to feel that level of comfort well, and be for the most part comfortable with you too. I mean, there, there's the possibility that some people might not be comfortable. That's the thing with though, you there, is that but... maybe you don't feel comfortable. Maybe you feel like you're too old because so, so the listener asked, we not read their email, but they, there's a lot of points that I, I would like to discuss in that, they made the point in that back when they were first getting into swinging, they were it was in their mid forties, I believe, correct? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And they looked at individuals who you know late fifties, early sixties, and thought, well, what are they doing here? And now here it is, fifteen, twenty years later, and now they're in that boat, and so yep, and they're still having a great time. Well, but so they understand why people of that age they're still having would a good there. time, but they're wondering, you know, am I am I should I be out of the game? And absolutely not. You, you, it's, 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 I could see where 
you might be worried about, oh, I'm too old. Nobody wants to see these old individuals here. Nobody wants to see my saggy titties and my saggy balls. When you're hanging out of desire, oh, who are these old people? But I have to, like, when you get to be that age, you know, it doesn't mean that your sexual desire, your your sexual inhibitions just go away. Right, exactly. And And everybody deserves the right to enjoy themselves sexually and be in a sexually charged atmosphere and be in a sexually charged environment no matter what age no and, I, and I think not only age but I, I think other things can factor in no matter what weight no matter if you have a disability I mean I think people of all types shapes sizes ages should be able to enjoy themselves in a sexy atmosphere yeah I completely agree um I mean let's be honest you might see somebody and think oh they're too old I like I don't want to see that, but reg- who cares? It doesn't matter what they want to see. It's if you're having a good time. If you're having right. a good time, don't let. I mean, to, I mean to be truthful, there's going to be individuals who hopefully they don't say it to your face if they're courteous and not rude. But the, the older individuals, there's going to be people who think, oh, maybe they're a little bit too old, but they just haven't gotten to your they just haven't gotten yeah. to your age you know once they get to be that age themselves they'll agree they, with you they're going to uh think oh why would we ever get out of this exactly it's, we're having an awesome time we have awesome friends we have right it's an awesome lifestyle now where the difficulty might come in is if you're looking for partners or other people to play with you you might be more limited in that uh, you might need to stick within your own age group for play partners and maybe well, not but it depends on who's willing to play with you and i would say not fi- just willing but who's attracted to i mean who wants to play with you well i guess that's what i meant by willing is i mean i guess if they're not attracted to you they're probably not i mean i guess i mean i guess there's people who would be willing to play and but not be attracted to you but i meant who would be attracted to you mm-hmm. so so you might find yourself maybe I mean, have a maybe fewer numbers at parties that are that that you it might be more difficult to find play partners i think as you age but at the same time then you might want to consider changing up groups or going to a, a more mature group i mean there are some groups that are more tailored toward younger patrons and some that are more tailored towards older patrons and mm-hmm. you know you could consider that at the same time maybe that's not sexy enough for you maybe you want to be in in with the younger crowd yeah maybe you want to be in the younger crowd and that's perfectly fine we- we we welcome you and we say please come and have a good time but it could be where you just start to feel a little uncomfortable with yourself and just the way individuals feel self-conscious if they're overweight or or whatever or pregnant age (laughs) age can be a an issue where you become self-conscious especially in this lifestyle and i can i can recognize that i think we can both recognize that and so maybe you still want to maintain in the lifestyle and so you you where maybe you were once a party person going out to the hotel parties, the the big groups, and maybe you switch over to smaller intimate meeting one on one meetups if that's mm-hmm. if 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 that's something you can't get over but you still want to be in the yeah. lifestyle. I mean and... I I honestly think that you should stay in the lifestyle and continue to go to things as long as you're enjoying yourself. Well yeah, I completely agree. You should... If if you start to find that you're uncomfortable because you're you're self conscious or you feel that people are, are looking at you weird or you just you know, my my first piece of advice would be to try and work through it and try and work through any personal issues that you might have. And, you know, if you're still uncomfortable, then seek out other other opportunities or other other ways to go about it. Mm-hmm. But, it, you know, it, it, I think it is a, a viable question when you retire, because I, I think everybody's going to face that at some point. When do we stop going? But I don't and know. It, if you... it might be a matter of, you know, I'm just getting too old for this where I'm tired of paying 40, 50, 60 bucks 
to go to the party when I'm pooped out by 11 o'clock. You know? Yeah, which I mean, is why I'm saying that maybe, and it, it's, it's, obviously we're not in that age demographic, and so all I can say is if you want to keep going to parties, there's never, you're never too old in my opinion, but I agree. there might be issues for yourself where if you are getting a little tired earlier in the night and you're not, and the after parties are a lot and the music is really loud. Or it's pooping you out, so your next day is a lost day because you're just tired. Or Hell, that could happen to us after, I mean, <laughs> after these are, having kids. So, so it's, it's tough for us just because these are, there's just issues related to aging in general. Right. And well, considerations and, that need, that, that you yeah. have. But And you might change your frequency as opposed to just not stop going. You know, maybe, maybe when you were younger, you went every month or every two or three months, and maybe it changes into a twice a year thing or something. But but, but don't yeah, stop going. Just do what feels comfortable to you. Do what you want to do. If you want to continue to go to parties, don't let yeah worrying about other people not wanting you there stop right. you. But and don't I would say feel just that you need be, to be conscious of your own health constraints too, and that goes for anybody at any but don't, age. Don't feel that you need to keep going. If that's not actually what you want to do, if you want to, because you can still, you can still maintain a sense of community by smaller meetups, mm-hmm. smaller bar meetups, get a group of people at a bar, have a good time, then go Absolutely. back to the, go back to your house and play or, or whatnot, or yeah. one-on-one meetups, uh, one-on-one couple meetups. And, and that's not the party atmosphere, but just, so. Yeah, I I think you should be able to stay in the lifestyle as long as the lifestyle as long as you enjoy the lifestyle i yes i don't think the lifestyle is ever going to kick you out and i think that there's going to be as as i think we've already said there's going to be aspects that maybe you enjoyed in the past maybe hotel parties i mean i could the music's already really loud right now i don't really (laughs) i don't mind it just because i'm well it depends on where our table is we don't like to be near the speakers it gets loud yeah it does when you, you have can't to mingle shout i mean you can have a hoarse voice just from trying to talk to individuals oh, yeah. i've definitely had the ears <sighs> ringing and the I, I call it swinger voice the next day where your yeah. voice is all hoarse and and it's not from giving too many blowjobs <laughs> so are you ready to move on to the main topic indeed okay so today we're going to talk about styles of open relationships um, a few episodes ago, we talked about Tristan Terramino's book, Opening Up, mm-hmm. and it had a whole section dedicated to different styles of open relationships. The entirety of section two. Yeah. Which and is, we didn't spend much time dwelling on it in that episode because mm-hmm. we knew we were going to be recording the episode talking all about them because they are very fascinating. Yeah. Yeah. So her book is kind of providing the framework for different styles that we want to talk about. But, you know, we'll we'll go into more depth or just kind of what we think about different lifestyles and, and how it applies to, to our particular relationship. But I wanted to start off just saying that we're only we're using the book as a framework, but we're not trying to like label individual groups or or label people. And and I recognize that what we call a swinger or or what we call someone as being non-monogamous, you might disagree with or think well, of yourself as being monogamous or relationships in general are fluid they're always you know very often especially with individuals in the lifestyle they're they're fluid and they're changing rules are changing different mm-hmm. and so it's the same with labels labels yeah. a label is a label just you might consider yourself monogamous but with you're able to get a hand job by somebody but that's still being monogamous or somebody else might be that's that's completely non-monogamous so labels are 
we, you don't have to put too much on labels, but it, exactly, it like it, it makes things easier to talk about. Yeah, when you lump things in a group, it makes it easier to talk about. But there's always exceptions. There's always individuals who don't want that label applied to them. There's right, and there's going to be couples, two couples who do this exact same things. Yeah, full swap couples. They might call think themselves something different because we only because we only play together at parties and never. Outside of those bounds, we're still monogamous. Yeah, we just yeah. go to a party and have yep. fun. Because we're still married and it's only Where us. we would define that as non-monogamous. Mm-hmm. Um, so, so yeah, we just wanted to get that exclaimer out there. Yeah. That... You know, it's, I just had this thought now. It, it's almost like a like the Kinsey scale of sexuality a little bit where it's a spectrum. You could fall at anywhere in the spectrum and kind of like a slider so oh, to speak. Yeah. Although, you know, I mean, the Kinsey scale has a uh, a hard beginning on either, a hard left and a hard right it's, where you're gay or you're straight. I mean, this one doesn't, there really isn't like a, you know, monogamous versus non-monogamous kind of a scale. No, I don't know, and, but... and plus, like I was saying, two people can have completely different definitions or different labels that they apply to the exact same behavior. So, yeah. so we are going to be... So, so it's kind of our just disclaimer. So with that there. caveat, we're going to be using the outlines and relationship styles laid out by Tristan Terramino's opening up as a, as a framework, a guide work just to discuss these. Uh, Cause we thought all just, these different styles were yeah. so fascinating that we wanted to just discuss yeah. them and get our thoughts out on I them. I think really what it, what it does for me is, is it outlines all the different possibilities of combinations of people. Cause that's really what this is about is how do adults come together to form relationships and and what are some of the different possibilities because, yeah, because we're we're raised that one man and one woman and then later on you 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 learn about homosexuality and so then you learn that two men or two women get together and that's a relationship that's a couple and that's how it's supposed to be mm-hmm. and and then as you start to delve into swinging you learn well that's not necessarily how a couple has to be there there's other alternatives and then when we read this book, I realized, well, there's there's all kinds of alternatives. It stops being just two people and it starts being three or four or five or a group or, you know, all kinds of different combinations of intimate relationships and sexual relationships and mm-hmm. the complexity just grows tremendously. It's incredible the way that so many couples out there have able to just do this relationship bending where they just do not let themselves be defined by anything and they make the relationships what they want. And then it's left to people who write books like Tristan Charmino to try to fit them into, well, what would I call this? Yeah. Yeah. Yep. Exactly. So with that, we are going to start with the label <laughs> partnered non-monogamy. Yeah. And we could almost even start a layer before that and start with partnered monogamy, which is really just, Two people together, staying together, playing together, only together. Well, yes, I guess. we were talking about non-monogamy, so yeah, we can do that. We can. I mean, you can do. Um, well, I just I'm thinking if we're starting at the spectrum, that's probably really well, the start. We don't need to talk about well, that because solo, that's, well, that's, well, then there's the single individual who's you know a solo monogamist. Does that exist? Yeah. Uh, or well, what would that be? Well, one person who is not participating in a relationship with anybody of any kind, I suppose. Well, no, it's also the individual who's single, like the the, the average normal vanilla single who's monogamous for the relationship and that relationship might end. Serial monogamous is also what people refer to it as. I where... actually think that Tristan defines that as, as a solo polyamorous, actually. She does define it very similarly, and she she mentions that. But you ask us, a vanilla individual who's just single currently, 
whether they would consider themselves to be a polyamorous, and they would say no, which is why yeah. I'm saying labels are labels, and so... Yeah, yeah. So, yeah, you could say, you know... I, I actually like Tristan's twist on that, but we'll we'll talk about that when we get to that one. So, mm-hmm. so I guess, okay, now, well, I'm fine going on to partner non-monogamy, because I think everyone who's listening is familiar with the the typical partnered monogamy because that's what well, we learn as being mm-hmm. appropriate in the in the correct way i say that with air quotes to have a relationship mm-hmm. well what i would when i read what um termino's definition of partner non-monogamy i was like this sounds exactly like swinging this is exactly our relationship right here this is exactly what we do and i was like well how's the next how was the next portion of the books, uh, which the next chapter was Swinger, I was curious at how the, de- the definitions were different there because the partner non-monogamy is the style that I'm most comfortable with. And that is the comfort and that, and having read the book, it's definitely the style that I want to maintain. So we can, so, mm-hmm. so let's talk about the cornerstones of the, of partner non-monogamy. Yeah. So, I mean, it's, it's really coming down to committed couples that are staying together, but behaving non-monogamously in an erotic way. Yeah, so they're... the intimacy level, and I, I hate using that word intimacy because people are, you might define that differently, but the the relationship aspect of it, the emotional connection is with one other person, mm-hmm. but the physical aspect of it could be with multiple people, you know, the, mm-hmm. the person you're with, but, but it could also be with, with other people, but and it's would, only sexual. And I would say that it's... Not incorrect to say that partner non-monogamy is individuals who would label themselves as that would say that they're erotically or sexually non-monogamous, but mm-hmm. emotionally monogamous. And yeah. that's exactly how I feel about you, how I feel that I want our relationship to be. Completely and so, agree. At, at least at this stage in the game, I number one, I don't think I have the, the time or want to put in the effort if I were to become emotionally connected to somebody else. But at the same time, like I am so emotionally connected to you that I, I find it hard to imagine myself having similar feelings toward another individual. Well, I'm completely emotionally and psychologically satisfied with having, with my non-sexual relationship with you being monogamous. I don't, I'm fulfilled and I don't. As am I. Yep. Which I think is the, important distinction between individuals who are satisfied staying at this level, staying at partner non-monogamy. I think it is possible to be satisfied and yet still fall in love with somebody else in addition to your current partner. I, th- I think it's possible to not be looking, but to have it find you. Well, that, yes. And, and then I you have agree. a decision if you're, you know, and we've talked about this before, then the decision has to come in. Do you try to stay with the type of relationship that's been working well, for you, or do you try to change I would to say accommodate that, those new feelings? I would say that when that happens, you might not be looking for it, but when it when you realize, I'm in love with this new person, then you are no longer satisfied with your current spouse or partner. So at that moment, you're not satisfied anymore, whereas I'm saying that right now I'm completely content and satisfied with our relationship, But and, and you were saying that, love you you can find love and it could just fall upon you but once that's happened and once i i uh cognitively recognize that i want this relation this other relationship to develop to be more then i no longer am 100 percent satisfied emotionally with our relationship well, I don't, at that point 
I don't know that I necessarily agree with that, but I think it's another or, topic for another day. Because no, I think it's no, I, th- I think it's perfect for the topic right now. I think it's possible to be a hundred percent satisfied emotionally with your current your your current love, well, and, like, and yet have another love. That's like well, I, no, no, I, I I I love my hobbies and I love them both individually. No, I agree, and I'm not dissatisfied with one over the other. It's just I, there's more than one hobby that I enjoy. I recognize I think it could be the same way. I with recognize people. where the disconnect between you and I is coming, and it's just because I'm talking about the relationship and you're talking about the individual. Yes, I can completely love you and recognize that I could love somebody else as well. I or there's the potential to Yeah, I guess that then once you fall in love with someone else, then now you desire to have both people as opposed yes. to Okay. So yeah. I was if you think about Yeah, the, I, I, I understand partner, that. and then if you're It's thinking, not that your partner's inadequate, it's just it's that, that now re- you want both the relationship like how you're defining yourself. The relationship that you have set up with your partner is no longer satisfied. I'm no longer satisfied. At that point, I would be no longer satisfied with that relationship. If you wanted to pursue the, your love interest. Well, but if I'm not 100% satisfied, then at that point, I would. Yeah. You presumably, I'd want to. Yeah. But we can talk about that more once we get to polyamory, mm-hmm. I think. Yeah. So I guess getting back to partner non-monogamy. The the thing about it is that you have this primary relationship. You've got this one person that's your focus, and and that's your commitment. And in order to make this style of relationship work, you have to remain committed to that one person because that trust has to be there in order for you to not have the jealousy issues and have compersion and these other terms that we've talked about. Mm-hmm. In order to to ever even be able to get to that, your level of commitment has to be there. Yeah, if if you're looking for individuals who are not looking to develop any romantic relationships outside of their primary relationship, then this would be the style that would be for them. And that's, Mm -hmm. and it, it, discussing this, you know, just, it just reaffirms that, yes, this is what I want, partner Mm non-monogamy and essentially swinging. So I kind of want to transition and talk about swinging and partner non-monogamy kind of in the same, in the same breath, the same lump, Mm-hmm. Because in my mind they're almost the same thing, whereas pretty much, and and the, I think you can you can also define it as as it's it's a low psychological or physical investment in others, and that sounds awful when you're like, well, it's a low investment in others, but really mm-hmm. that's how it is. Like you don't want to invest in getting to know other people too well. Mm-hmm. So I'm going to transition from talking from saying partner non-monogamy to just saying swinging. Yep, I, I can and, see that. So the the difference that um, Tristan Cheramino makes in her book, the distinction, which I think is just sort of an arbitrary distinction. Yeah, I, I don't necessarily agree with the distinction. Is that the swinging brings in the aspect of communities and that you're you're part of a group. You 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 consider yourself part of the swinging group. The quote unquote lifestyle. It is a way of life. Yeah, and I, I think and, partner non-monogamy and is agree a that, way of life too, which like, is why I want to shift because I do consider myself a swinger, even though partner. I said that partner non-monogamy fits exactly with what I want. Swinging is is, is in my mind the exact same thing. Yeah, and so I'm not gonna. I I'm can't just really. I, I I do not see a line between the two. Well, to be honest, I have a hard time. I I understand the difference, but I don't understand exactly how you would if I. To be, if is, let's say I called myself a uh, partner non-monogamous, and I did not think that I belonged to any outside or community or part of a larger 
sexual community, such as swinging, I, and this could be my, uh, naivety, naivety, being, it's me being naive in how you go about meeting partners, because to, for us, well, maybe it's just, it's Craigslist, it's random people at bars, it's, it's just random single people who you're willing. So the moment you get on an online community, then you transition to a swinger i guess i guess yeah i mean <laughs> because we went about you know meeting couples and we we haven't used craigslist yeah. or other resources we just jumped right into an online yeah. and an online swinging date i, I think um, taramino was site. just trying to to emphasize the fact that swinging there is this culture and kind of underlying rules and concepts and and you know there's like an underlying respect that people and, who are, who call themselves swingers have amongst each other but but honestly i really do think that swing swingers and non-monogamous are, are one in the same group of people i completely agree and i mean there are there's there is the aspect that swinging is very is uh very closely associated with parties and hotel parties and and house parties and these parties and so i get where there is yeah. a community vibe but yeah, no, I I also think that swinging the the term swinging in general society is just associated with with orgies and you know if you're not in the community and you ask somebody what a swinger is, I think you're gonna get a, a very different response mm-hmm. than you might if you say, well, what's a partner non monogamous? They'd probably look at you like, what the hell? Yeah. So, but then if you say swinger, you're still not gonna get the right definition from I think the vast majority of people, but. Because they're, they're not aware of what the lifestyle and, and the, the cultural aspect is. So, what, is there anything else that you, you think that we want to outline about swinging? Well, I do want to talk about... And we're, we're only using the book as... Unlike our specific review and discussion episode, where we are using the book as a guideline. But I do think it's interesting where she brings up the potential issues where uh, with this style. And we've already outlined that. Well, well, what if the sex or a relationship develops into more? Mm-hmm. Well, then your then you might then the relationship might need to morph and change into something else, right? Or you either need to put the the kibosh on it right away, or let it develop and grow organically into the relationship yeah. that it's going and to I be. And I can see that being very difficult for some couples to get over to change your, your style. There's always, especially if you're not really certain of what that style is going to be like like you've said before it's there there's a certain fluidity to to this and you can flow in and out <clears throat> of a relationship style and you can be a polyamorous individual for a little while because you developed a relationship and with but is it once you become polyamorous let's say a relationship developed and you considered yourself where you had a girlfriend and a wife are you polyamorous from that point on it's a heart you're or can not you, necessarily or once or once that girlfriend relationship devolves or or dissolves or your wife your your spouse relationship dissolves can you become a swinger you know and i think you can i yeah definitely i absolutely think you can. Agree. i don't yeah. think that you can i think that relationships are fluid and dynamic and yep. that's that's why like we said in the beginning applying a label is kind of pointless because you could be changing or in transition at any given time and so just the potential problems or conflicts that can happen are pretty much all just related to what if a primary or a secondary relationship becomes more important you fall in love and so yeah these are things to consider and there's the, and... the other thing to consider too is just the sexual aspect of it which is so you, emotionally you might still be tied to your partner but what if sexually uh, you're no longer interested in your partner you know and and what level of 
sexuality do you have to have with your partner? Because in some cases you could be practicing non-monogamy and you could be uh, maybe just a, a, a couple where one person is gay and no longer has an attraction to their partner mm-hmm. or something like that. So it, it could be to the point where maybe you're not even sexually active with your partner anymore but still emotionally committed to your partner. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. so that, that's that's one aspect of swinging that I hadn't really thought about. It's just that, you know, the level of, of sexuality that you actually have with your partner can change too. Yeah. Because yeah, I usually you're... assume that if you're, if you're with somebody, not only are you, if you're, if you call yourself a swinger, not only are you emotionally committed to your partner, but you're still sexually active with your partner in some way. That's not mm-hmm. necessarily the case. Yeah. Yeah. And so, so this is where this is the level that we are at, and it's a level that I'm comfort that I'm comfortable with, and that mm-hmm. I'm not striving towards. And I think we're both on the same page. Yeah, there. absolutely. Yep. And the the one thing that the book kind of brings up that I think initially some people might have a hard time thinking about or getting over is there. There's kind of a section that's about you know why you might choose to become a partner non-monogamist. What, what is it about your current relationship that might make you choose to do this? And really what it comes down to is if you're not being full, one or both partners isn't fully satisfied by the sexual relationship. And and that could be hard for somebody to get over, to think about, to be like, well, there's something sexually that I want that I cannot get from my partner, that my partner cannot provide. I think that that is a big hurdle for people to get into swinging in general. Yeah, that's what I let's discuss us for a minute because I like the part of what I like to do is talk about us specifically, and so for us, it's almost that it's 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 it isn't quite so much that you can't provide. It's that well, well I, I think that's exactly what it is. It's it it might not be that I'm I'm not social like sexually fulfilling you, but there's certain things that I cannot do. I cannot be a black woman. Well, I cannot. Well, you know, so I, then I how cannot... do you explain if I want to play with? you know, white women. Oh, oh, it was just an example, but like, like I, I cannot, um, fuck you and have you eat me out at the exact same time. You know, I mean, there's just certain scenarios that I personally cannot fulfill. And so that's what I wanted to talk about actually for a moment is that was one of the things that really attracted me to initially to wanting to explore swinging was that the idea of threesomes or Mm -hmm. the idea of having, playing with two women at the same time. Yeah. And we actually, before, not too long before, because you got, but a little bit before we actually delved into making a profile and getting into a swinger, you know, the swinging lifestyle, we actually had just explored, well, just trying to figure out how to set up a threesome for both of us, two two guys for you and a separate two yeah, girls threesome that, that for was me. Our, our initial, like, well, let's let's see how we can set that up. What are we going to do? Do we hire someone? I mean, that was really our thought was let's, yeah. let's hire a hooker, like. And the, so it was the, it's the things, it's the sexual things that you can do that takes more than one person. I can't yeah. have two, no matter how awesome an, a person is, no matter how awesome you are, you can't be two mouths sucking me at the same time. I you can't. just can't. Nope, I can't. And, so. And and I think that's, that's an unmet sexual need that maybe people can get over easier than, uh, than, uh, you just can't get me off kind of and unmet so, sexual need. So that's, I think that's a big, a harder hurdle, a more difficult hurdle to get over. That's sort of one of the really big excitements, but then, so that in, initially, but then it does transition, you know, you always have the desire, I feel like, to just have a variety of, of sexual partners or you enjoy just playing with others. 
and and that piece I think is what's difficult. That's for the some. harder piece because because yeah, you'd like why to... do I want to play if I'm just gonna do because I think it's very easy to understand that I want to have a threesome because we just can't do that. Me and yeah. you can't do that. But but it is I want to, to play of... with another individual with you know one on one where i because we can do that we yeah. can do that together and it, it is hard to think of and get over that and i think that's why a lot of couples don't necessarily full swap because it's a well you can have sex with me why do you need to have sex with somebody else so in our minds i mean talking it out how in your mind how do you justify to yourself be playing with others and not just me like that how do you justify to yourself and justify to me and how do i do the same to you it I, um, I think there are it's two different things. Variety is the spice of life, and I know that your level of commitment emotionally is still there. That you're not going to find something in someone else sexually that would make you become not no longer committed to me. And because you don't have that love and emotional connection with someone, you'll never have the emotional sex with well, someone else. I think at, what, at least at this point, if, until you unless you were to develop that kind of relationship. I think the way that I justify it. To myself, and what I would tell you if you were to ask me, well, why is it important, or why do you want to play with another individual one-on-one? And I think it is comes down to excitement and variety. It it, it does. It comes mm-hmm. down to, it's exciting to play with somebody new, or somebody different, where, mm-hmm. you know... Not every, all cocks are created equal. Everybody, everybody, I'm sorry, but you're not a 10-inch cock. Everybody uses the ice cream... I, the ice cream analogy that mm-hmm. you know you have the different flavors but there there there's truth to that in that you're right there's there's variety you get to you have a a constant i have you as a constant but then there's there's the fun and we've talked about the new relate the new relationship energy mm-hmm. or just the new yeah. energy and the flirting and a little bit of butterflies that you get when you're playing with somebody or flirting with somebody and just that and that fun and then yeah and, and then they, and then they, there's the, kind of that social acceptance where it's like man there's somebody else who's attracted to me like it, it boosts your own self-esteem mm-hmm. a little bit too exactly and the excitement that you get from just playing with somebody else and have that yeah and, and it be just somebody different and mm-hmm. but i recognize that for myself and i all and there's always the caveat that I we we've come to the realization that we recognize that things can change that mm-hmm. are, and and we're open to our, our relationship changing. But right now, I'm content with, like I've mentioned, I'm I'm content with that's where it stops for me. That I me too is a sexual energy that I want to have that yeah. I want to play with others. But so then that's actually a good transition to move into polyamory. Yeah, where for polyamory it's not enough. They it's not enough to only have that sexual diversity that. It's also the emotional connection and and emotional diversity with multiple individuals. I would agree with you for people who are aware and actively seeking out a polyamory relationship. But, you know, that that you feel like you're missing something on an emotional level. Then there's also, as we said, the people who just happen to develop an emotional connection with somebody. They weren't looking for it. So they didn't they didn't actively have anything that was unfulfilled at the time. No, but I, th- I think the difference is, is you keep looking backwards versus you weren't looking for it at the time. But I'm I'm talking about in the now. Well, now mm-hmm. you now you now have, you have it. it. Yeah. Now you have it and you are not satisfied just having one relationship anymore. Yeah, so, you, you've identified someone else. You've fallen in love with an additional yes. person. So, and so, so now at... you have this emotional connection with multiple people. Mm-hmm. So you, you as an individual, 
have your your partner that you started off with, and now you have somebody else. So s- sexual and loving relationships with multiple people. Yeah. Which is the distinction versus swinging and partner non-monogamy is sexual relationships but not loving. Yeah. Uh, I mean, and, and see, that's where, you know... Well, that's where labels... That's where swingers will come in and say, but I've got friends that I've been swinging with for... 10 years and I do love them, but they're friends. Yeah. And what, and, and you know, there, there is a distinction because yes, you can have people that you swap with that you do love as people, but they're not part of your family. That's, mm-hmm. that's the difference is in polyamory, you, you take on a second or a third or however many people as a member of your family, as almost like a secondary spouse oh, in a way. Well, you know? not, I mean, they're another, almost. I mean, they're, they're individual... essentially a boyfriend. They're, they're somebody you're going to call in a tight bind in an emergency. There's somebody that you're going to, well, in, 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 in cases there it's the individuals you live with. You don't just have one spouse. You have co-spouses you in, in, and this is where the labels get kind of crazy because there's all sorts of different polyamorous styles of relationships. Right. And there's and, and it kind of gets back to your level of commitment and, to each other. Bs and quads and and triads. And so a woman could have two husbands, two co-husbands, where she considers each one of them are their are her husbands. Yep. And, and they might no not. No one can. No one other. Neither can take precedence right. over the other, and that's one style. Right, but they might not have a, a, a much of a relationship with one another. They no. might not have any sexual relationship, which is why it would be a V, because they're only connected through her. And and they might not have the friendship or commitment to one another. Well, that's I want to back up for a moment, just because we're using V, and we haven't used W yet, but it's very easy to picture this when you're reading a book. For instance, Tristan Termino's opening up, because you... She says V, but you're really you're reading the symbol V, which mm-hmm. is you know two lines that are connected at a single point, but aren't connected themselves. So the difference mm-hmm. between a V, the the letter V, and a triangle, where all three are connected and have a relationship, a V would be where the point. And so in my example, it would be the the woman would be the point, mm-hmm. and she has a relationship with both men, so that those lines extend out. Yep. But they don't have a sexual relationship with each other. Right. And so there is no line between them. So that would be a V. Mm-hmm. And then other complications where you just keep adding on different styles. Adding on points and, and, pe- and so you points can, as people and lines to connect them. So a W would be two of those. And you, you can sort of picture, if you picture a W, and so there's there's two points there. And so there's there's three, in a W scenario, there's three individuals who don't play with everybody and it's 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 actually gets complicated to where you yeah, almost need with, to draw it when out you, when you've got five people it's it's probably in, in that situation it's probably three women and two men and and the women all play with one another and then two of the women also play with the men well no but, but they don't all play with each other in a, like it's, in a w because a w is two v's with one shared person yes so all the points none of the points play with each other right and, so it gets to be actually, incredibly confusing in really those, quickly. In a W, the two points don't play with each other. There's right. no line connecting. I'm the thinking two the bo- the bottom ones. Yeah, the two. The yeah, two, but they don't. They don't play they, with each they other. They actually yeah, don't play right. with each other either. Yep. Yep. And so, so there's only like one common common point between them. So without getting too bogged down in the minutia, because you can get bogged down in all the different relationship it styles. Makes your head spin. Essentially, you can have any relationship style you want to have, and. That's where it actually starts to boggle my mind. It's I, I don't. That's where 
it stops being where I can relate to it or even desire that. It's, yeah. It's, I don't even, it gets to, and it's. It, it really is build your own relationship. It's, it's have the level of intimacy with the number of people that you want to be intimate with. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, if you, you, you're married, but you're also dating a girlfriend, you know, you have a girlfriend and your husband has a girlfriend and then, you mm-hmm. know, and that girlfriend themselves might be married as well and, and have somebody else. And you might, you may or may not live with an individual who you're polyamorous with, but, and, and, and you might, they might live, um, around you, or maybe there's even scenarios where they live out of state and they yeah. only visit you, but you're, you still consider yourself you still consider yeah. yourself married to them or emotionally yep. married to them. And, and it's so it extends beyond this this is what I have a hard time with. For me, I could see that where the other person's your fuck buddy. But in, in polyamory it extends beyond just being a fuck buddy where you actually have this close, intimate, personal relationship with them. They're a boyfriend. They're a they're what I would term to be a boyfriend, you know, they're well, close, you're emotionally connected to them. What's what makes me kind of feel inadequate or almost like polyamory is almost a more evolved style than what we have even though i don't desire it because usually you you desire to be the most evolved you can be i i sort of feel that polyamory is more evolved but at the same time i don't because it's not i don't desire it it's just different Mm -hmm. and so it's i feel i feel i almost feel the way that the way that we very often say that oh monogamy is is not natural for human beings and we can very easily conceptualize in our minds how swinging works for us and how that style of non-monogamy it's hard for me to conceptualize how polyamory would even would would work for me how it how it could even potentially work even if i wanted to because i grew up in a household just like you where there was two parents Mm -hmm. and it's so foreign of a concept to think how there could even be three adults that are in a relationship together in a household and are and in love with they're all in love with one another it's it's, it's 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 such a hard and it's such a hard thing to wrap my head around and that's where i feel like all like let's say this um general society is the swinging what swinging is to polyamory you know it, it, i feel like it's not, i'm it's not like polyamory's got one up on us. I feel like I just took the SATs. <laughs> but no, at I, the same I time, disagree. I think it's just for different types of people. It is because I, you know, I think there are people who are inherently love the world and love other people and can easily fall in love with other people and just want to be in close relationships with other people. And honestly, I'm not like that, and you aren't either. Like, no, I like com- we we've discussed how. We don't even really become that close of friends with our swinger friends, and we're 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 starting to become that way a little bit more now. But we we like we are the kind of people that put up walls. We do. I mean, you and I yeah, both. We were. We we even put up walls between us and our families, where you know they know things, but we're we're very private people. Yeah, like you'd get that from this podcast as we air all of our <laughs> sexual laundry out there. But inherently, you and I are both very private people, so yeah. it would be very difficult to establish that kind of a relationship and and it's something that it's hard for either one of us to imagine because i mean you know we we know each other really well but i can't imagine knowing somebody else but then there are there are people that are not like us who easily become friends with you and then more than that and that's what they want and that's what they like and so you just put those people together but what what i recognize is that i can't be so 
it's it's interesting in the way that learning more about polyamory has changed my mind or just made me think differently about all kinds of various aspects of relationships and society because we're sitting here saying I can't imagine how that would work it doesn't work for us that's exactly what individuals who are in vanilla relationships vanilla non-monogam or monogamous relationships say mm-hmm. about swinging that they can't imagine how it works and so yeah but we make it work and there's many many polyamorous individuals who make it work and and I would say that they are it, – it is different, but it's fundamentally – I don't want to say evolved because – Yeah, it's, it's not. It's just – but it's, But to be honest – They've gotten over different hurdles where – I recognize that an individual can – and a cornerstone of polyamory is that you can have love you, – you can – you don't have a finite amount of love to give. It's not like mm-hmm. you have 100% and that has to be doled out to yeah. however many individuals, but – it's it all has to add back up to 100%. You can give it 100% to one individual, 100% to another. You can yeah. you you have an infinite amount of love. And I recognize that, but I have a hard time understanding how I would practice that. Well, cuz then it becomes it's not love that's your limiting factor, it's time and money and budget and desire. You know, it's it's but, all of those things that that limit it. But what's and, fascinating is life is completely different. It is in the way that our day-to-day lives don't very aren't much different than somebody who's in a monogamous relationship a polyamorous relationship their day-to-day life is incredibly different maybe i mean i think it depends on you know if you have so so one of the things about polyamory versus there's there's another term that's kind of defined later in the book polyfidelity but polyamory is really you have you have a primary partner who could you could could be a spouse mm-hmm. and then a secondary or, or tertiary or, you know, quaternary partner, you know, so, so you could have two, three, or four other partners. Quater- quaternary. Quaternary. It's oh, a quater- word. No, no, no. That, yeah, that's five. I thought you said it's quaternary. Four. four. Well, quat- tertiary and then quat- quaternary. Well, we could be but getting it wrong. That's hard to say. You, you it's all a biology know term what we're talking too. about. But <laughs> a, a, anyway, so you you have the main person, your main squeeze, and then you could have any number of other individuals who you might only they might not live in the same state so on a day-to-day basis your life could be very on on the surface level could look very much like a partnered you know monogamous relationship but then you've got a boyfriend on the side yeah i guess it it all comes down to how often and how how frequently you you are with your other partners so one thing that i'm recognizing while we're even just right now while we're trying to discuss this is that polyamory can is so many different forms it's essentially yeah, just boils complex. down. It, it it you can boil it down to you just have emotional and loving and sexual relationship with more than more than one individual, and there could be any combination, and it gets to be a sticky mess when you try to define it, which is why it's hard to even put. Which, which I, I don't mind a sticky which, mess, which, <laughs> which takes us back to what we talked about earlier in the episode. It's hard just to apply labels, but the label yeah. of polyamory has been that's what. It's it's been applied to yep. these types of relationships. So actually, I I wouldn't mind backing up for a moment and just so we've and we can continue to talk about how it's polyamory is not for us and the reasons why maybe after we're in a mm-hmm. moment. But so I, I just want to point out so the the different types of polyamory. Yeah. Um, even though I just said less than a minute ago <laughs> that you really can't define it, but there are different types that. You can define it. There, in, there's just kind of different. There's broad categories. You can talk yeah. about so there's there's hierarchical, hi, hierarchical uh, polyamory, 
where you do have an order of your relationships. You do have mm-hmm. a primary who is more important than your secondary, who is more important than the third individual, and mm-hmm. you and and those people could still be in different different combinations where your your primary and you are together. The person that you think is number one, you might not be number one to them. And you can have, and so then there's also where you consider yourself multi-primary, and this would be in a triad situation. So if we're going to be a little pansexual here, if there's three gay individuals where they all three had the exact same relationship with each other, mm-hmm. where it is a, it's a, it's a triangle versus the V. Yep, and and, and that's so kind that's of multiple primaries, and that's where they would put it into what what would be called polyfidelity, where all members of the group are equally, equally intimate and related to one another with one another. Mm-hmm. And there is which, and Tristan Termino sort of she defines another the non hierarchical polyamory, but that's all. It's to me they're all it's almost the same as the multiple what she's calls multiple partners mm-hmm. who or what she calls like basically polyfidelity. Yeah. Mhm. And, um, and and that could be just, you know, groups of people, yeah, who are all together. I guess kind of what she's I think what she was getting at was that you might not have a hierarchy amongst your partners, but that doesn't mean your partners are all playing with one another. Well, that's true. So that's so true. polyfidelity all partners are all with each other all equally. And what she's getting at is you might have two boyfriends and they're both equal, but mm-hmm. they don't necessarily play with each other. So we, we, we mentioned polyfidelity. Um, so let's, we'll talk about that for a moment as well. That's from, and again, I, I have to be very clinical about this because you know, you learn what you read online and, and in, and in the book mm-hmm. that it's almost a closed group mm-hmm. of three or four or five indivi- in- yeah, individuals or, or more it could be something like a commune type thing well, where it everybody could be. shares but everybody then it's then, appar- then apparently it gets to be where they consider this you know you might have if you get and... more than six it seems like that's when people start to consider it a tribe or a commune yeah and, and i i have a very difficult time imagining six people all being equally committed to one another mm-hmm. i think you would start to get very different relationship dynamics when you get to have six people, three and four people, I could see equal commitment to one another and, and mm-hmm. sexual play. When you start to, to go beyond that, I find it, I I would have a hard time believing that you're not going to have some level of hierarchy in people's heads, even if they might not admit to it on paper. I bet you would. Well, that's the thing is that, see, it's, that's where, and I agree with you, but it's almost like I have to recognize maybe that's a limitation with me. Maybe, yeah. you know, that there, you can have completely 100 percent psychologically that that's something that's just it's hard for me to fathom which is why i think right now we're wired to be swinger individuals yeah and the the thing about us is we've learned whereas in the past we might have said well we're swingers and we don't want to do anything more right and i would say that we're still at that point but we have both said to each other that if something that we're that we aren't completely closed to something else organically happening. Yeah. But we neither one of us are looking for it and to be honest, I don't see it happening. I think the hurdle to f- having to falling in love with someone else for me is so high that it wouldn't happen. And and I say that because like number one, like I said, you and I both are kind of closed sort of people. And number two, we don't put ourselves in a situation like like in order for me and you to fall in love with each other, I mean, we went on dates all the time. We were constantly together. We were we were putting ourselves in a situation that allowed us to fall in love with one another. 
and it takes time. It does. And I don't see myself getting to know another individual on that level and seeing another individual that often enough where where it would happen. Yeah, I agree. So even though we've said that, you know, and I think it is a step, it's a good step to say that we're not so close that if something were to change, mm-hmm. we're opposed to it. But to be honest, I don't think either one of us actually see that realistically happening. Yeah, because I just don't think we put ourselves in the situation where it could happen. Now, that being said, I, I do recognize that there's the possibility that you meet somebody and you're just like, man, that person was so cool. I just need to call them. Mm-hmm. I need. I want to talk to them some more. I just want to. Well, that's the thing because we you know where, where it's almost a love at first sight, but not quite. We've like, mentioned that's possible. I mean, I felt that with you. We've mentioned early in the episode. I mean, you specifically a couple of times that you might not be looking for something, and it happens. It just yeah. happens. Yeah. So, but I do think that hurdle for us is high. I think for other people, it's a small bump in the road, and it wouldn't take much for it to happen. Mm-hmm. But they may or may not be open minded to it. So, but polyamory is so. It's, I keep saying it, I feel like I'm a broken record, but it's so crazy in terms of raise just every, all aspects, raising children, taking multiple partners to family functions and. Oh yeah. I mean, the, the aspects of it are, the social aspects of polyamory are so different from swinging because it is an emotional connection. You have to think about things like, man, I don't want to hurt my partner's feelings by not having them meet my family, but my family won't know how to take this. Or I like children raising children. I mean, the current laws are set up for custody for two people to have custody. Mm-hmm. How do you have three people and have one person well, not be spurned? You know, well, it's... even le- legal custody is different than even just the logistics of running a household. Even if you aren't, you know, yeah, worried about the legalities of it. Just yeah, just practicality well, of fuck, living even, together. Even and... the sexual logistics are are crazy. Well, just who who fucks who on when day, what day and when and yeah, because, how do you not have somebody feel left out well, and because you're not going to be having an orgy every time night. Time management is very who imp- sleeps in whose bed. Time time management is incredibly important because um, even more so with polyamory, where are you going to be spending your time? Who are you spending your time with? Yeah, and that's why it takes a very organized a very organized individual to be a polyamorous. Yeah. I believe, and I have to say, I really enjoyed the show Big Love. It was a, it's it's an HBO show. It's not on anymore. And the the primary concept was polygamy and and the main the main guy in it, Bill Paxton, he is uh he's a former member of the LDS church who's kind of broken away and is practicing uh polygamy. But really what he's doing is 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 being a polyamorist. He has there's him and then he has three wives. Well, and, that would be is there a letter? So that would be a point with three lines going away from it. Yeah, yep. There is be, no letter that makes there, that. <laughs> there isn't. It, it isn't a letter. It'd be like a V with a third point kind of thing. Yeah, and well, I guess and and sexually, the women are the women don't play with each other sexually, but at an emotional level, they consider themselves to be married to one another. Actually, like they consider themselves to be a, a four way marriage. We, we, yeah, I mean, it's just not a sexual marriage. It's definitely again so it's, just comes back to issues of labeling because it's mm-hmm. pri- it's 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 religion. And religiously based, it's you know for more, yeah. for Mormons and Latter Day Saints, you know it's called uh, polygamy. But you can have you minus the religion aspect, you know you might just call yourself polyamorous. Yeah, I mean and... I, that's why it's it's a really because... really good show, and I I actually would recommend anybody like interested watching it. Just you know ignore some of the religious stuff that they talk about because really the show delves into the day to day 
and and the women actually sit down together and create a sex schedule and create a grocery schedule and and, and well, a babysitting what... schedule and it's like all of those aspects of a polyamorous relationship are portrayed in the show and yeah it's, you're right it's really good i hadn't actually thought about big love in a while because you were more into that show than i was but you're right all the aspects you know they had i mean the the, the thing in that show is they had three separate houses but they, they were had all a, connected. They had a shared in a backyard. backyard. Yeah. And but no, you're actually right. A lot of the time management and just logistical issues were covered on that show. And so that's you, you're absolutely right it's, there. Yeah, it's it's really interesting on how they work through those things. And and it, at one point, um, the husband Bill actually gets a girlfriend. So not only does he have himself and his three wives, but now there's there's a girlfriend on the side. And that whole aspect of the show is I mean it's interesting and in how the other wives uh relate to it and how they interact and it, it's very much uh like a, it's a polyamorous relationship really with you know if you yeah if if you ignore the religion aspect of it and you think of it as just at a sexual and emotional level and and no religious aspect to it i mean it's it's a polyamorous relationship so let's talk for a minute let's go back to we we talked about it very early on in the episode but let's talk about solo polyamory for a minute okay which um, this is a new term for me that kind of blew my mind, and it made me think of some people that I know, and and kind of their lifestyle. It's essentially a single person, according is, according to Tristan Terramino. Well, like I would, I would as you say, were saying, if, but I would say I would agree with it. Yeah, the only difference between calling yourself just a normal serial, uh, just a single person, because. I mean, it's, essentially, well, it's, I would say it's this different is like than serial monogamy because of serial, you know, that's moving from one relationship to the next. But there's a lot of single individuals. You know, it's quite common to, especially for, you know, you always hear about you know juggling three or four individuals and how many how many how many wi- dates you how, have, how, how many women you know you, you fucking... have you have a date with a girl one night and a date with another girl another night, and that is not that's something that's accepted in single vanilla single culture. Yeah. And yeah. it's accepted in polyamory uh, culture. And the only, the only distinction, well, the, the distinction that I make is a solo polyamorous is cognitively, cognitively aware that they want to have these multiple relationships with these individuals with no interest in settling down. Mm-hmm. And they're aware I would say a little bit more. Well, actually, I, 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 I guess would call it the case. Either. I would call it the permanent bachelor. It's somebody who's content in being well, with themselves. No, I would say, but a, then they have a, sexual or emotional relationships with multiple other people. But you have to make the distinction between a serial bachelor who's, again, this term, the serial monogamous who goes from one, you know, the George Clooney types yeah. who goes from one relationship to the next versus the individual who's juggling three or four girls at the same time or th- or the girl who's juggling three or four guys at the same time. Yeah, or or it might even be not necessarily they're juggling them at the same time, but they're not establishing any kind of a long-term relationship and with any of them. They're not looking for any serious primary relationship. And mm-hmm. I think the difference is, is, is just the level of education and willingness to call yourself a solo polyamorous. First of all, you have yeah. to be aware of that lingo yeah i think there's a lot of solo polyamorous out there who would not consider themselves that would well, never call themselves that well I they don't... would just say i like to be alone and i like to like i i'm, I'm at my happiest when i'm not in a permanent relationship with someone else like well, i primer... i want to be just with myself with a primary long term i mean you, they do have multiple sexual relationships going on simultaneously mm-hmm. which is what 
tons and millions of single people are doing right now, but they wouldn't call themselves uh, polyamorous. And it's just, I think... Uh, well, that's why I, I think their their primary partner is themselves. Like, they, they come first. They're, they want to stay... Yes. Like, their their primary relationship is with themselves. But it's very it's very interesting because even more so than any of the, any of the, other, the other relationship types, this is where a somebody who does not consider themselves to be any sort of a polyamorous, a even a sex positive individual. Yeah. Or they might, they wouldn't consider they, themselves to be part of they, any type of alternative lifestyle. Yeah. They, I, they, they think of themselves as completely normal. You know, I'm going yeah. through my twenties is what the, you know, what <laughs> that was me in college. Come on. What they're thinking, what they're, how many people can I have sex with, but not get to know too well. Or, you know, like I think when you're in college, especially, well, you, just, you, just you before you're looking, married, I would yeah. say it's very common, and so it's it's just fascinating because there's there is the alternative culture who would just label themselves as solo polyamorous versus I'm just a single guy, you know, yeah. just getting as much porn yeah. as I can. <laughs> you know, I got you know yeah. I got three bitches number in my cell phone. Yeah, and <laughs> that that's you know what sucks about society is for you that makes you an awesome player, but for a girl she's a slut. True. You for, know, it's but, it's it's very much accepted in society for a man to be for, that way. For mainstream society. But, but not in, a woman. In the polyamorous uh, society, it would... It would be perfectly it fine. It would be perfectly fine from yeah. both uh, standpoints. And so... Yeah, but the problem is women, especially if you're, like, in your college age or even in, in your 30s, or even if you're a divorcee or something like that, um, unless you're aware of this term and aware of the community, you're not going to seek out the community. Yeah, you. Won't. So you're just going to be woman scorned on Match. dot com. You know. Yeah, you're. And it's, un- it's it's unfortunate. That's what I'm saying. Like you wouldn't call yourself a. Po- even no. Though, even though you could be labeled as this, the, uh, labeled as more a than likely you wouldn't. You just have to be. You have to be aware of the community, yeah. and I. You'd also need to agree with its values, mm-hmm. or well, you wouldn't have to agree, but you would probably want to agree yeah. if you want to call your if you want to because by doing that you're lumping yourself in yep. with this this alternative community yeah and i and... think i think that if somebody had approached me with the term and said look this is this is our definition of the term would you label yourself as this i think i would fundamentally reject it because my ultimate goal would be to find a uh, find a primary partner and end up with that primary partner and not remain solo. Well, so, so that, for me, I, I would that's a distinction. Even there. though I was fitting the behavior of a solo polyamorist, I you know at the time before you and I got together, I still would. I think I would have rejected the term. Well, I would say part of that's just my own ignorance and not not well, being opened up at you know at the time either. But there is a distinction there because if you know eventually, well, I mean, I guess. You could say currently I'm a solo polyamorous. It's it's behavior versus desire. Because a solo polyamorous just fundamentally is not looking for a primary relationship. But I guess that is it doesn't mean that they that they don't think well someday I want to find a primary. Yeah. So that's why labels suck because it comes down to what you're. Do you, do you label someone based on what their behavior reflects, or do you label someone based on what they desire to be? Yeah, labels labels do suck, but you. You have to go to label. You have to go to lump individuals together, oh, yeah. or it's, everybody. I mean, and and, and that's the same true goes of, for stereotypes too. That's yeah. true of everything. You have to yep. be able, as much as you don't want to label yourself, or you don't want to label other people and pigeonhole them into things. You need to be able to talk about a group, and to be able to talk about a group, you have to apply a label to them, or else you just have yeah a hundred million different types of relationships and no way to categorize them or group them together. Mm-hmm. And so, yep, there's um, exceptions to every rule, and you just have to get over it. So I guess we, we've pretty much covered covered everything i 
I think it's plainly obvious that we're much more ignorant regarding polyamorous style relationships. And we, but we found that we found learning about them by reading opening up fascinating and just learning how life, how different life is and how, how much more complex it can be. How much, yeah. That level of complexity is really, really important and stress. And we touched upon the coming out issue in, um, in our, book where we covered the um all of opening up and where we 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 mentioned in that episode how we don't think it's really all we've come we we used to wonder well do do we want to come out is it something Mm -hmm. we want to strive towards is becoming ready to come out and i've come to realize that i don't feel a need to come out yep and and that's primarily because we're not developing intimate relationships with other people there's no need to to there's no other people to introduce to our family well we're not scorning anybody we're not leaving lovers left behind look i've like i've said before it's no, it's no different than I don't go around saying that we had anal sex last night or any type, or that we. Or <laughs> that you imagine you like my mom's jaw would hit the floor if you said that. <laughs> I mean, we don't go around talking about our sex life. Yeah, but... I don't. I don't go around saying, "Well, Cal came on my face last night." Yeah, exactly. So, and in my mind, that's where swinging puts us. We don't need to. Our swinging sexual encounters are that they're sexual encounters, and we don't need to. And yeah. I don't feel the need to concern myself with coming out. We yeah. we have recognized that it, it does suck having to lie where you're going if you're going to a party, yeah. if you're going to if yeah. where you're going. But for for polyamorous relationships, but I'm a, it's it you don't, it's different because there's that emotional connection, and you don't want to leave somebody out. You don't want to you know you have this other partner, and let's say that you have you have two partners, and they're both equal. You don't have a hierarchy. You want to be able to bring both of them to family Christmas. You want both of them to be able to pick your kids up at school, or you, you know, you want you want to introduce both to your friends, and so that's where coming out can be difficult. Mm-hmm. And and, and it's where and that's it's, where it's, how do people fathom that? It's it, much more of an important issue whether or not to come yeah. out in in a polyamorous relationship because how is that going to affect your standing in the community? Mm-hmm. How is that going to affect the custody if that's an issue there's unfortunately it seems that the coming out for those types of individuals more often than not seems to have negative ramifications as opposed to positive not always but there's a a lot of issues regarding respect for all of your partners (laughs) if you are married and your family knows about your primary marriage relationship but you're in a polyamorous relationship it's unfair to that other individual if you potentially you hide them they might feel as if it's unfair to them that you that you're essentially hiding them that that they don't that they're unknown about and so there's there's that issue yeah there's just it's just a whole level of complexity i mean just the communication within the group too and all the different all the different combinations and how i mean i think back to being in middle school when we had you know, just a group of guy friends and a group of girlfriends and people would kind of date each other. And just, you know, I think back to all the different complexities that could, that could happen where, well, so-and-so spent more time with so-and-so than with me. So clearly they like that you like her better because you, you spend more time with her. You called her first or when something went wrong or, mm-hmm. you know, you had an issue. So you went, you cried on her shoulder and not my shoulder. And it's just like, there's so many different communication, you know, 
lines to draw between people mm-hmm. or, you know, you, you got good news. Who did you call first? Or, you know, those sorts of things. There's, there's just so many more opportunities for jealousy and issues to arise amongst partners. Yeah. I, I think you said it best when you boil it down to just the complexity is at a much higher level. Yeah. In a polyamorous I don't know if I'm even adult enough to be able to handle all that. <laughs> It's so, complex. It boggles so, my mind. So the last thing that I wanted to talk about, you might have other things. The last thing I wanted to talk about is <sighs> the combination of monogamous and non-monogamous relationships mm-hmm. where there's, it sort of goes back to, we've talked about the myth of equality, but this takes it to the extreme. So the myth of equality is that everything has to be equal. If, if mm-hmm. I play with somebody tonight or, or very specifically, if I get a blowjob from somebody you need to be eaten out or yeah. vice versa. Yeah. And so, and, but the and, myth and, of equality is that that's not the way it needs right. to be. And in some, for some couples, it's in the long run on the grand sum average, it needs to be even, but on any given night, it doesn't need to be. Even. So there, there's relationships, there's relationships where one individual is monogamous and the other is non-monogamous. Mm-hmm. And it's not really more complex than that. I mean, it, I mean, it, 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 it could is, be, it could be, well, it's, it could be as simple as that. It could be as complex as the most complex polyamorous relationship. We've already talked about that, but understanding the difference in this relationship style is that one partner is non-monogamous with all mm-hmm. the complexity that brings and one partner is monogamous. And that just is mind blowing to me that it's, it's crazy. And I guess it comes down to, I just can't imagine doing that. Um, yeah, and well, I mean, I guess it it comes down to one partner's just not being fulfilled, and the other partner feels completely fulfilled with what they have, and I so mean, they don't mind that the other partner's going out. I mean, to me, that's that's like the ultimate version of compersion. It really, will, is, oh, it most definitely like, is, and I recognize I'm I'm satisfied by you, but I, you're not satisfied completely with with what I what what you and I have, and so you 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 need to go seek out other things, and I'm okay with it. I I would have a very difficult time with that. I recognize. That you know, it's like the extreme of compersion, and it's the extreme of the myth of equality. It's where there, where both both individuals in this relationship, or any of the combination of individuals, are okay with this mm-hmm. inequality. And I recognize that I strive towards trying to eliminate jealousy from my life. I've said that jealousy, in my opinion, has no positive side effects in life. I don't. Th- I think jealousy should be eradicated if possible, and individuals. <laughs> Should strive, take the shot. should should strive to become better people in, and you will become you'll you'll become a better person if you, if you can eliminate or work towards eliminating jealousy. But I recognize that I, as much as I try to work towards things, I don't think I could have that inequality and be comfortable with it. If I put myself in the monogamous shoes, so I'm monogamous and you're non and and you're the non-monogamous individual. Mm-hmm. I don't think I could live like that. And I guess what it comes down to is because of the emotional part of it, not necessarily the sexual part. It's it's the emotional part because I mean that's that's really what it comes down to in like kind of a poly polyamory thing. I think I could be okay with I'm only having sex with you, but you need to have sex with other people. I guess that I could be okay with. It's the the emotional part of it. I think I'd it have is a hard the emotional time with part. It. You're exactly it's, right. I that. would have a hard time being home home alone by myself, and you're out on a date. I would wonder what's going on, and if you're having a good time, and if you know, it's 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 that whole emotional side of things that would would cause a, a, a very big problem for me. And I I don't know at the heart of it why that is, you know, because it, it is a version of jealousy, I guess. So let's let's back up a moment. And so, what are the, some of the reasons why a couple would do this? Well, um, 
Tristan Termino lays out, you know, maybe one individual has a specific, a very specific fetish or kink that they mm-hmm. want to to be able to express or do, and their partner isn't willing or doesn't want to be a part of. Yep. And BDSM, let's say you're into BDSM and your partner just wants nothing to do with that. Yeah. Well, then either you're going to go unsatisfied and that those desires and um, sexual gratification is just not going to happen for you. Mm-hmm. Or you agree to be non-monogamous. Yeah. And there is non-monogamous. And, and, there, there, there and that can might be, be just strictly on the sexual level and not on a polyamory level. And but it, it, So that's an example of where it could be just a sexual level. But it could range all the way to where you're polyamorous and your spouse mm-hmm. isn't. Yep. Or, I mean, it, she, she's also laid out where situations where perhaps one one partner ends up coming out as being homosexual. And the other partner is perfectly satisfied with not having sex or has a low libido versus the other partner has a high libido. I mean, there's there's all kinds of combinations like that. But, and it could also be, I think, too, where one person is enjoys being alone and enjoys their solo time where they, you know, they have their emotional connection to their partner, but they also just like to have just an emotional connection just with themselves. So they, they actually like that their partner is, is going out and, has a, a secondary partner to be emotional with, you know, some people mm-hmm. are homebodies and, and, and they're happy with that. And so the, the dating aspect and that sort of thing can be handled by other people and they're okay with it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I, and I just recognize that there's, there's things I sh- would, could strive towards and there's, but there's things that I know I can never, at least I don't think that I would ever be okay with. And it's, and I don't think I would be okay with, being the monogamous person in a in a non-monogamous monogamous relationship and it's due to that emotional i'm too tied to you emotionally that i would be okay with you mm-hmm. going out and having these emotional relationships well, that's, Whereas, that's why we've we've agreed to full swap but we're we're same room you know you want to be there to see what i'm doing i want to be there to see what you're doing and it's not a trust issue it's a it's a you and I still have that emotional connection, and it's also hot. <laughs> but then there's also interesting aspects that I think about. Well, what if what if we had a, an understanding where I knew that you had these fetishes and kinks that you need to get out and express, but I don't. Maybe I don't want to hear about it or know about it, so I can almost put on blinders, and so I don't actually even mm-hmm. have to have to deal with it. And so that's a scenario where. It would be tough for the non-monogamous person, though, because then they, they really, how would you go about, I mean, I guess there's always work well, schedules. And... Yeah, and, and also I think that there's a possibility of, uh, well, you are away on business and traveling a lot. I recognize that that's not real, but I'm saying yeah, a scenario yeah. where somebody uh, travels for their position a lot, being a travel sales, traveling salesman or whatever, and the the person who stays at home might recognize, well, I don't feel the need to sleep with anybody else while you're gone, but... For you, you get lonely on your trips, and so while you're out and while you're away, you can be with other other people. You can meet up with people at bars, but when you're home, you're with me. Yeah, and it, I and I, I could see that relationship working out I quite guess, well. I guess actually, I mean, when I was saying I couldn't deal with it, it, it was where just any. I think it's the emotional side that you can't deal with, but the sexual side, maybe. Yeah, I mean, let's say you went in on the long term. Let's say you didn't even go on very many business trips very often. Maybe you went on one one a year, but we haven't. Where I'm completely content with the relationship, but 
we have an agreement where when you go on business trips, you know, once a year, you can go fuck people. I just don't yeah. want to hear about it. And, and that could and be, that could still work. I could see that happening. I mean, that's like you get that new relationship energy. You get that like that that real big sexual high. I would imagine just being in a bar and being like, I'm I'm married, but I'm allowed to play. So I'm gonna I'm gonna be the married. You know, that could I could see that actually being quite the fantasy. I'm getting no, turned on here. It could where, where you're you're the married woman in the bar who picks up a guy while on business trip and you know fucks him at your hotel room kind of thing. But that's why I'm not suggesting that I want to do that. But I I could see that kind of inequality working out. But it's no, not. I agree. But it's not. It's it's in in our case it wouldn't be monogamous, non-monogamous because I mean. As a whole, you and I are both still well, yeah, non-monogamous, but it would, be, it would be very much unequal play. That's what's awesome is we're, at least awesome to me, is that we are both completely on the same page, and we're lucky where we don't have to, to, to or at least I feel like I'm lucky that I don't have to, to yeah. deal with this, whereas... And even that seems kind of an ignorance. I feel like that's even kind of an ignorant statement, because some people are happy to deal with being polyamorous or are happy. I feel like the monogamous, non-monogamous is more of once. I don't know. That's it's, it's difficult because it's, it's one person is satisfied and the other person isn't. And, and, I, and I think it's, it's, it's hard to, I think it would be hard to bring up in a relationship because you, you want the person who is remaining monogamous to not feel forced into letting you seek out other opportunities. They yeah. they have to agree to do so willingly. Otherwise they're going to get they're going to feel like you're cheating but they're kind of allowing it and they're going to get bitter, I think, like, and, oh, I'm happy with you but you're not satisfied with me. So, in order to save our marriage, I said you could go out and fuck other people. And that's why it's slightly difficult to talk about it in the 10 or 15 minutes that we're allotting it or not even that much because it yeah. can range from the saying you're you have a non-monogamous monogamous combination style relationship could range from you are allowed to fuck somebody on your business trip that you go on once a year and i don't want to know about it all the way to you're going out every single weekend yeah. and i have to and so it's you're such going a huge, out on dates and you're actually you have a girlfriend or and, yeah. and and so there's it's a very big range and so i think that that's a pretty good place to wrap it up yeah years we could continue to talk about there's a million different combinations and i think it's, we wouldn't do it justice because there's so many different combinations and so many different considerations and jealousy considerations and you know someone be playing getting stuck playing monkey in the middle and I mean there's just so many aspects to well, it and and like you've said we're kind of ignorant to it because we, I don't even, we don't practice it exactly I don't even think that we've done the polyamory justice in this episode but we've done it's been part of our sexual journey and our sexual knowledge that we that we're learning about these things and. That's why we wanted to have this episode discussing them, but yeah, we're just... not polyamorous, but I find I find it fascinating, but it's not for me, and so I guarantee that we come across as getting some facts wrong here, or we don't have... Oh, yeah, I'm so, sure we do, so I apologize to so we, we're, for that, but... We, we thank you for coming along with Honest on our sexual journey as we learn about these things, because we're going to mm-hmm. talk about, as we learn about new aspects of sexuality, we're going to talk about them, and we're going to... In, we're gonna stumble along gonna, the way exactly we're gonna stumble but it, it's it's fun for us to talk about it and to talk about yeah our opinions on the matter and how what things work for us yeah. and what things don't and kind of what it what it boiled down to for me for this episode was yeah i mean i i could think of the possibility that there's other combinations of the way people get together but 
until I actually started to read about it, I really had never thought about it. I, it was always two people are together and that's how it goes. I had never really even, you know, I consider myself to be sexually open and, and sexually educated person, but I had never really thought about people actually, there are people who actually do that. You know, there are people who actually well, live in, in, in a group of three. There are people who live in a group of five or who have boyfriends and girlfriends and things on the side. And it's just, because and, it's not something that I want, it's not something that I really opened my mind to, and and that's really all I wanted to do today with with this episode is just open the mind to the realm of these possibilities and acknowledge that they exist and that people yeah, just, are happy in them. Just acknowledging that it exists, but but ruling out that maybe that's not for you. It's still you are, you became aware of it and have maybe hopefully given it some thought and said, mm-hmm. well, that's something that I or. You just explore possibilities, so I, I think it's always good to. Yeah, I'm acknowledging be, that it exists. I'm acknowledging more sexually there's, aware. There's nothing wrong with it. I'm acknowledging it exists, but it's not for me. I mean, there, we're still trying to get America to recognize homosexuality in well, this way. So. To be honest, we mentioned this earlier in this episode, but I think it's actually a pretty big step that we've both said that our relationship can grow and however it's going to grow, even though we recognize, just given the type of people we are, the limitations on how we think it will grow. Yeah, but the fact that we've said it can grow right. it doesn't necessarily have to be the, this relationship. But it's not something is that an important. Either it's... one of us is seeking out, and it's not neither one of us feels unfulfilled. So it would be like an accident. Yeah, exactly. But I think it shows that we are sexually open to to things happening, and I think mm-hmm. it's it's a good it's a good mind frame. It's 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 almost like when you argue, you can argue better if you know the other side of things. Mm-hmm. And so if you if you know the options that are out there, you can better decide or feel more confident in the decision you've made. After reading Opening Up, I couldn't feel more confident that swinging is a type of relationship style that I want to have. Absolutely. Not right. monogamy, but not not polyamory either. Yep. So So we you can enjoy some poon, I can enjoy some cock, but we come back to one another. <laughs> So with that, I think we will wrap up this slightly longer episode. So Sounds good to me. So uh, send us your questions, comments, feedback. You can email us at swingingaround at gmail.com. No G at the end of swinging. You can follow us on Twitter. We're just swinging around. No G at the end of swinging. Our website is swingingaround.com. No G at the end of swinging. And, of course, you can find us on Facebook as well. We just started a new Facebook page, so go ahead and like us on that. We're swinging around. And then, finally, uh, we'd love to get some ratings and some feedback on iTunes, Stitcher, or any other uh, podcast uh, forum that you find us on. All right, everybody. Stay sexy and stay swinging.